0: Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at DynastyFreaks.com or email DynastyFreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome Avi, you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are good to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you, so let's talk some Dynasty. On episode number 237, we're going to talk about a little training camp battle. So I thought that would be fun to think about here when we're in this period of dead time and we have training camp coming up. just thought it would be fun to think about what are the things that I'll be looking for once training camp starts. Can't believe everything you read, can't believe everything you see. People do different things during their training camps and during their preseason games, but it's helped sometimes just as dynasty managers to, to make note of. Here's the things I'm really going to try to pay attention to, see if I can't figure out what's going on. And particularly in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, some of the unsettled running back rooms. So there are a lot of teams whose running back roles are pretty unsettled, and so training camp reports will bring clarity to some of those situations, whereas others are going to you know probably remain unknown going all the way into the season. As of this uh, recording, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, and Leonard Fournette have yet to sign with their teams. Uh, they are the free agents that could definitely complicate backfields even more. But for now, these are the 10 teams I'm going to talk about whose backfields seem the most uncertain to me. All right, 10 backfields. First would be the Eagles. You know, the Eagles backfield is loaded with potential with DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell, Rashad Penny leading the way. Boston Scott maybe trailing behind. I think it's safe to say that Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks will likely not make the 53-man roster even though we used to have such great uh, dynasty hopes for Sermon and then lots of, you know, kind of background, you know, UDFA hopes for Brooks, that's how their time has passed. Gamewell, you know, picked up steam as, a student, as the Eagles made their Super Bowl run last year and looked poised to be the next man up after Carolina signed Miles Sanders. But uh, Philadelphia's uh, draft day trade for DeAndre Swift and the signing of Rashad Penny in free agency bumped Gamewell back to a support role, I think. Swift is going to earn the starting role, I think. But if Penny proves healthy, he could take the first and second down roll away from Swift. I believe uh, Penny and Swift have been injured often throughout their careers, so I think Gainwell's still going to have a fair, fair chair of, of chances. Uh, Gainwell, uh, though, when I went back and looked at it, Gainwell did not have more than nine carries—that's or nine touches—that's rushes and receptions combined—in a single regular season game. And so it was really in the playoffs where they gave him a lot more than that. So I think that the Eagles like him in that minor roll, that, you know, under 10 touch roll, especially given that they added Swift and Penny. That shows more what they think of Gainwell. I'm going to listen as intently as I can, and I'm going to watch to see if there's any reports of how healthy Penny is, because if he's healthy, I think that he will split time uh, pretty evenly with Swift. Even so, the Eagles offense and Jalen Hurts' rushing prowess uh, bring down the production and the dynasty value of the entire backfield in Philadelphia. Well, hello there, Russell Wilson. My dog Russell just walked into the room and knocked the door open himself. So apologize for those noises. Lay right down, buddy. Russell Wilson's getting old. He's about 10 years old. My English Mastiff weighs 185 pounds. Sorry for the little break there, uh, but I'm not going to edit it. Here we are. My number two team would be the Commanders. Uh, Antonio Gibson barely outsnapped Brian Robinson last year at 43.5 percent compared to 39.5 percent but Gibson played three more games than Robinson, or I think their totals would have been about equal. The commander's staff did not trust Gibson last year and limited his role significantly. But during OTA practices, however, the coaches have spoke so well about Gibson, so it's interesting they've talked about him having an increased role this year. Not sure what to think about it, but I do know this is for certain. The commanders let uh, J.D. McKissick go, and he had 31% of the snaps last year. So McKissick's passing game role I think is going to fall directly onto Gibson, making him far more productive this season than the last. You know, at the same time, Robinson is going to be their first and second down backs, I think. Both are going to have roles and it should be, you know, increased in the offense. Jonathan William, uh, Jarrett, Garrett, uh, Jarrett Patterson, I don't think that they're going to cut into their playing time. So the pie is going to be a little bit bigger now that McKissick is out of the way. But I think that benefits Gibson the most. Uh, only real threat to Robinson, uh, not necessarily Gibson, really just Robinson's role specifically as the rookie, Chris Rodriguez. Uh, he's very similar running style to Robinson. If Rodriguez gets you know good reports in training camps, maybe plays well in a preseason game or two, Robinson could be the player most impacted by that. So definitely a backfield. I'm interested to see what happens uh, upside most for Gibson, I think, with McKissick being gone. But we will see. Next would be the Bears. Uh, the Bears led David Montgomery. Uh, going free agency, opening the lead role to Khalil Herbert, who looked fantastic whenever he's been given opportunities in the past two seasons. However, the Bears added significant competition when they signed Deontay Foreman and when they drafted Roshan Johnson. So two UT guys, Hookem horns, uh, added to the backfield there. Still, uh, as much as I love my horns, I really absolutely think this is Herbert's job to lose. Uh, Foreman and Johnson, I think, were headed for pure depth. Uh, Johnson might be the most natural pass catcher of the three and maybe the best pat- pass protector, you know, so he can earn a role maybe in the passing game, but the Bears' passing game, you know, is far from traditional, where they need that great pass protection with Justin Fields back there. Um, I'm taking a stand right here. I think Herbert is the Bears' lead back, and Foreman and Johnson are just going to be backups. Foreman will do well if Herbert gets injured, but and he's going to spell him, you know, from, you know from time to time just to keep Herbert healthy. But I really expect Herbert to get 60 65 percent of the uh, snaps in this next season, or at least was 65%, 60 to 65%, not maybe not of the snaps, but at least the running back touches this season. Next would be the Lions. You know, last year, DeAndre Swift had 34% of the Lions snaps compared to Jamal Williams, 40%. Swift missed three games with an injury, or the numbers might be a little bit closer, but the Lions had one of the most clear-cut two-headed backfields in the league last season, with Williams as a running, uh, running back on short yardage situations in red zone, Swift, the passing downs back, Uh, Williams, of course, we know he led the league in rushing touchdowns due to the clarity that they had in those roles and his just constant one-yard touchdown plunges. Uh, They're going to do much of the same this next year, I think, with these two new running backs they have now, with David Montgomery and first-round draft pick, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, The only difference, though, pretty big difference, is that the coaching staff likes Gibbs far more than they liked Swift, as evidenced by them trading Swift away, and the evidence, too, by Gibbs' draft capital in the first round. Uh, the two will have, I think, closer to a 50-50 split in playing time and touches. Uh, the Lions want to find ways to get in the ball of Gibbs' hands. I really believe they're trying to get into his hands uh, more than they tried to as Swift. Montgomery, you know, he's going to have a substantial role. I think he will be their red zone back, leading to many touchdowns, though not as many as Williams had last year. Uh, their roles are going to be very clear. only interesting tidbit to this backfield is, Um, Mohamed Ibrahim uh, is the player that I'm most interested to hear training camp reports about and see what happens with him. He's an undrafted free agent, but had an incredibly productive college career in Minnesota and is a bruising back. We know that Detroit likes that kind of back for certain roles, so if Montgomery gets injured, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. If Ibrahim can make the team, make the final cut, uh, I think he might be the direct one-to-one backup for Montgomery, whereas Gibbs stays locked in to his uh, versatile role in the offense. Next one, uh, most people will probably disagree with me, but I'm going to talk about the Buccaneers. Uh, Rashad White's role increased significantly after Week 10 last year, giving Dynasty managers what the you know and the Buccaneers optimism for the future. Uh, he has a big leg up on Chase Edmonds, I believe, who they signed in free agency, and Keyshawn Vaughn, who was their third-round pick from two years ago. But most Dynasty managers don't see this as a backfield competition, but I still do. White's production was highly, highly inflated uh, by his use in the passing game. That's what White does best, so I'm not knocking that. That is what he does best. That's what he did best in college. But here's the thing. That's what Tom Brady does best, too. Brady makes great pass-catching running backs. Think about what Fournette did that year. They won the Super Bowl. And Think about what White did at the end of last year. Brady had more to do with White's success, I think, than White did. And I'm sure that Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask are not going to involve the running backs in the passing game as much as check down Brady did in the last year of his career. I think White has a whole lot to prove as a rusher. And I think that the best rusher on their roster is the undrafted free agent, Sean Tucker. Uh, if Tucker's heart problems, he's literally got something wrong with his heart that was diagnosed, which is the reason why he went undrafted. But if that gets addressed, I'm confident that he's the best actual runner on the field, on their team. And so uh, I'm eager to see what happens in preseason games. If Tucker doesn't get on the field, I'll change my stance and you know definitely bump White up quite a bit in my mind. But if Tucker gets healed, gets well, and gets trusted to carry the ball in preseason games, I think we're going to see uh, very clearly he's the best running back, pure running back on their team. Running, that is. Next would be the Seahawks. The Seahawks created the battle in their own backfield when they signed Zach Charbonnet. um, in the second round, the same round that they signed Kenneth Walker the year before. So two second round running backs equals draft capital, basically, battling each other out. But here's the thing. I think the signing... Uh, The the drafting of him shows that the the coaching staff just doesn't like something about Walker's game. And I think it's his ability in the passing game and short yardage, which are two vital roles for fantasy production, yet two of the areas where Walker struggled last year. More than any team in the league, I think the Seahawks play the best player at every position, um, more than probably any team in the league. And regardless of draft capital, even though these guys have equal draft capital, but I think that means a clean slate. It's a clean slate now for Walker and Charbonnet going into training camp in preseason. And I suspect that the Seahawks will open up their offensive passing game too. That's going to be a, d- a different thing because they just drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba with their first pick. And so, man, when you draft Smith and Jigba in the first round, of the first, maybe I think they had a pick before that actually, so not their first pick, but Jackson Smith and Jigba. Nonetheless, when they drafted him, I just think they have too many offensive weapons to not pass the ball more often. And if they do become a little bit more of a pass... Offense than a running offense, that's going to benefit Charbonnet more, uh, most if they do. I expect kind of a 50 50 split when the backs you know, start the season with a slight edge, maybe to Walker as a veteran. Uh, but by the season, season progresses, as Seattle's offense becomes more pass focused and JSN starts getting more involved, I think Charbonnet is going to get more involved too. Next would be the Bills. Uh, our Lads, which is the uh, website I go to often just to see how they predict the. Um, depth charts of all the NFL teams. Our lads list, James Cook as the top of the depth chart, followed by Damien Harris, then Latavius Murray, and then Naheem Hines, a distant fourth. Uh, the Bills brought in one older back in Damien Harris. They got one really old back, Latavius Murray, to compete with Cooks. Uh, they drafted him in the second round two years ago, and so they've brought in competition. I do think that they have a lot of touches to replace because I didn't realize this until I went back and looked. Devin Singletary led their running backs last season with 65% of the team snaps. I had no idea that it was that oh, lopsided, 65%. So there's a lot of touches to go around. Uh, that said, Cook only had uh, 24% of the, uh, the snaps last season. And so I think Cooks you know, will remain their lead back. This is what I think it comes down to for the Bills. I think Cooks is gonna be their lead back if the Bills remain a pass-heavy offense. However, if they start to incorporate the run more, then I think it's going to go Harris's way. Uh, Harris didn't get the opportunity he deserved in New England after Ramondi Stevenson got there and surprisingly surpassed him in the JEP chart, but I really believe that Harris is a quality starting NFL running back, and he could get the starting role in Buffalo, confident that he will, if they choose to be more run-focused, which there's a lot of rumors that they've said they're going to run more, or at least they're not going to ask Josh Allen to run the ball as much, particularly on the goal line. If that's the case, uh, wheels up for Harris. But if they stay past happy um, that's not going to be the same, and then I'd be favoring Cook. So kind of want to see what it looks like the Bills maybe are trying to do with their offense. Next would be the Dolphins. I'd say the Dolphins have the messiest of all the ones I've listed here. i listed them, by the way, in no particular order. I think I just went division by division and listed them here. So here we are with the Dolphins and the AFC East. The Dolphins, I think, have the messiest backfield, especially given that they're the top candidate, some, some think, for Dalvin Cook. Uh, the the fact, This fact definitely frustrates dynasty managers. Here's why. Because the Dolphins have one of the most productive running offenses. It just we never know which one's going to be the productive back. Uh, they have the fastest running back room in the league, arguably, with Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, and the A. Chain. And then they're protected by definitely the fastest wide receiver tandem in the league with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. The fact is the Dolphins are going to score a ton of points. The only question is which running back will it be from week to week? And how confident can you be at putting any of them in your starting lineup? I think Wilson and Mostert are going to share the primary running back role, while A-Chain will serve as an offensive weapon. Um, even lining up a wide receiver, I wouldn't be surprised. As a result, I think A-Chain's production is going to be very hit and miss in this first year. And Mostert and Wilson, they're going to have pretty low floors, but very high ceilings until maybe one of them gets hurt, which seems to happen every year. Um, I'm glad to have all these players on various teams, but they're very hard to start. But they're great players that I can capitalize on when one of them gets hurt. That said, yeah, if uh, Dalvin Cook signs with the team, I, I would think he would be an every week starter with a tremendous upside. And I kind of still secretly hope that that happens because I do have Cooks, uh, Dalvin Cook, in one league. So excited to see what would happen there. Two more to mention here running back backfields that are pretty unsettled that I want to watch in the preseason and the, and the training camp reports. We'll meet the Broncos. Now, the Broncos battles differently because it's, it's based solely on Javante Williams' injury and recovery timeline. That said, I still think the Broncos are likely to go with a running back by committee approach, even after Williams returns to play. Samajee Pirine uh, was one of the, you know, was the first the free agent that new coach Sean Payton prioritized in free agency. Signed him, so I think it means that he plans to use him whether Williams is healthy or not. So really, it's just kind of monitoring the health and seeing how bad it is for Williams, how much he's going to miss, if at all. But there's one more wrinkle, I think. Tyler Beatty, uh, he's a player that I still have on a few of my dynasty rosters in very deep leagues. And I think if Williams' recovery lingers for some reason, Beatty's gonna get a chance to play behind P. Ryan during that time. And he's a very gifted back with, you know, uh, particularly in the passing game, highly effective in the passing game in college. He had a ridiculous season, senior season in a passing uh, role as a running back. And so I think that if he gets that role as a passing down back, he could even be, keep that role, when P. Ryan and Williams are both healthy at the same time, they could be the first and second down backs that kind of go 50-50 and keep Beatty in his role. I'm not saying I do believe it's totally going to happen, but he's definitely a sneaky player to keep an eye on during training camp. And then finally, very last, another pretty messy one, the Chiefs running back room, which has been a mess for fantasy uh, perspective ever since Kareem Hunt was suspended and didn't re-sign with the team. Clyde Edwards-Alaire... Uh, Wants a first-round rookie pick, is now the running back on the third team. If you look at our lads, they list him as a third team uh, behind seventh-round draft pick Isaiah Pacheco and last year's veteran breakout, uh, Jarek McKinnon. I think all of them are going to have a breakout game or two, but they're all going to have duds also. Uh, I just think none of them can be trusted from a dynasty perspective. The only thing I might keep an eye on during training camp would be Daneric Prince. He definitely got some buzz during OTAs. His endeavor—it's never, never behind Coach Reed—to make an undrafted free agent a significant part of the offense. He did it last year by moving up Pacheco straight up into the starting role. I wish that I maybe had a share or two of McKinnon uh, because of his work in the passing game makes him more reliable. Um, But I'm not—I'm glad really not to have a share of any Chiefs backs right now. I think that they're just too unpredictable to know what to do. Same could be said for their receivers, but more on that next week when we talk about the crowded receiver rooms. I don't want to take a bet on any of these guys keeping an eye on Prince to see if somehow he emerges in preseason or during a training camp. All right, those are some unsettled backfields, some of my thoughts about both what I'll be watching, but also what I predict will happen and the players that I value most from a dynasty's perspective. Hope that that helped you. Maybe do your own list. Start thinking about what you're going to look for, what it means, and who you're going to kind of keep an eye on. Players may be on the wafer wire, ones you're willing to drop based on news that comes out here as we await training camp and endure this dead period. All right, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than I am on Twitter, so that's the best way to get in touch with me. Again, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin.